0: Shalom, James. Shalom,
1: Jerusalem Lights listeners, and happy Tu B'Shvat. Tu Bishvat. Yeah. Hi, Rabbi. Hi, all of our, our viewers and listeners out there in YouTube land. And uh, great to be here w- with everybody on this day. This is the celebration. Uh, actually, everybody will be watching this after the fact. But uh, this is a, a celebration that I... Didn't I wasn't aware of on one of my previous trips to Israel, and then I got invited to a like a seder, right? For, right, to that's a, it's a
0: Kabbalistic uh, innovation of um, more recent centuries, and it, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, a whole kind of exploration of the spiritual dimensions of the implications of the day. Which of course, it's an ancient holiday in that it's mentioned in the Mishnah as the Rosh Hashanah, as the New Year of Trees, which has some implications for certain uh, of the Torah's commandments that have to do with the agriculture of the Land of Israel, uh, yeah. measure, measuring like the start of the year um, when uh, in terms of certain things. But the, the main thing is that the holiday of Tubishvat, which is somewhat unsung, it's erroneously referred to as the Jewish Arbor Day, it's really a day of tremendous spiritual significance, and it's got practically... No, it's got no significance outside the land of Israel. It's very, very specific about... It is a celebration of the land of Israel, and the significance for for the diaspora is simply the, the recognition of the fact that blessing comes to the world through the land of Israel. Amen. That's really what Amen. it's all about. But we had a wonderful Zoom class yesterday, and we were exploring the whole concept of how the Seder that you're referring to, the whole kind of like cosmic rectification of sitting onto Beshara with tremendous intention and in making the blessing over the fruit. From, it's from Deuteronomy 8, verse 8. Chapter 8 and verse 8 is the famous verse that specifies these seven species for which the land of right. Israel is praised. Wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, dates. Uh, olives. Date, honey, and, uh, and oil, olives. Oh, yeah. and yeah. these these uh, fruits actually have a certain kind of um metaphorical parallel to the dimensions of of, of the human soul so when the verse tells us uh, rhetorically is man the tree of a field the idea is that there is a lot of comparison on a on a spiritual level between a human being and certain aspects of of the natural world and so the when we have this kind of like um, energy that is uh, reverberating through creation today that affects people and it's all this Tikkun of, of basically of appreciation and thankfulness and and the influx of divine blessing that's coming into the world and here in Israel today on the 15th day of Shvat. We are buckling down to some very, very blessed, I'm going to say blessed severe, blessedly severe winter weather. We are uh, ex- beginning at the at, as we go to Mike, we're experiencing tremendous forceful winds and there's supposed to be uh, un, uninterrupted precipitation now for a few days till the day that you are expected to touch down here in yes. the Holy Land. And we are so yeah. looking
1: forward to seeing you. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody there. It's always a uh, my uh, my wife Carol uh, uh, refers to it as me recharging my batteries, and and, and the thing is about anybody who's, who visits Israel who doesn't is not blessed to live there. They when I say re, for me recharging is not it's, it's a physical recharging because I always get healthier. But you know, there's the obvious spiritual recharging sure. because because I I always meet uh, all my friends in Israel, which of course, you know, you were at the top of the list. Are always oh, well, one. gosh, uh, I was hoping that, that remarkable people. And I always when I meet new people, they are you you meet the most amazing people in Israel, and just having to be there and walking around the streets of Jerusalem. You are, you know, I always lose weight (laughs) and I feel better and uh, I think my my brain loses a little weight, a little bit of fat that comes from living in in the diaspora. First of all,
0: Torah teaches us that the very air of the land of Israel makes a person wise. Second right. of all, as far as meeting people is concerned, walking down the street, I mean, it's really Hashem that you are, as it were, meeting all the time, because this is His palace, the place that He chose, again, the place of blessing, yeah. central to the redemption of all humanity, and um, we're looking forward to your visit very much, so next week, God willing, when we have yeah. our podcast, will you'll be sitting right here in our your own new little modest studio. Yeah. Yeah. That is so exciting! Can't wait to see you and have Shabbat with you, and um, we're getting ready for that. Very, very exciting. Yeah. Have a wonderful,
1: safe trip, Jim. I'm jo- I'm Job to your Moses. I'll be visiting and giving you counsel, Rabbi. <laughs> You're Yitro, Yitro to my Yit- Moses. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, right. I got I got my my uh, court. Uh, advisors right. mixed up. Uh, yes, Yitro, how could I? My goodness, Yitro. Job should, could have taken a lesson from from Yitro. Right. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the. Uh, it has nothing to do, but, you know, the fact that there are these seven species, uh, Yitro had seven names, you know. So I, we'll get into that. I, I know you want to explore some other things, but uh, I, I wanted to remember that before I forgot it. So... Jethro is such an
0: amazing character introduced in this week's Torah portion of of his name. We have uh, such an important and central Torah portion, which is actually the portion in which the Torah is given to Israel, and it's named after a non-Jew, who not only was a non-Jew, but he became Moses' father-in-law, but he had such a, I will say, a sordid, Background, yes, I will say it because uh, uh, Chazal teach us that uh, Yitro, Jethro, had been a- an absolute master of every known occult practice and um, kind of like. Um, the black arts it's called you know like he was absolutely the 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 expert on all idolatry and here he is introduced in chapter 18 of the book of exodus in verse 1 as the minister of midian the kohen of midian but he heard about everything that hashem did for uh for israel Um, he rejoiced over all the good that hashem had done for israel that he had rescued it from the land of egypt You know, he heard about uh, the splitting of the sea, and he heard about the War of Amalek, and uh, he made this unbelievable statement in the Parsha. Before he does what he's most famous for, which is that he gave Moses this advice of basically the foundation of a judicial system that he would be able to that Moses would be would be tenable for Moses because he was basically the address for every type of contention and and uh, great and minor Um, issue and it was basically driving him into the ground because all day long people were coming to him like an oracle for the word of Hashem so Yitro gave him this advice to delegate and that was really the beginning of the whole concept of of the Sanhedrin it's so amazing to note that that this week because again of the the background of the story that's Kind of shaking people up, and everybody is all concerned about this whole concept of the judicial overhaul that the right. new Netanyahu government is trying to initiate, which is, in my opinion, a wonderful thing, uh, because I feel that the judicial has had much too much power here and has been a true threat to democracy. But there, but this is being kind of like branded and being like, and being like um, the spin that the that the left is is putting forward is that this is like a great danger to Israeli democracy, that the the new government wants to kind of rein in the judiciary, which until now, honestly, has been uh, very insensitive, I think, to Jewish rights in the land of Israel. And it's been exp- basically like a, a kind of like a, a judicial uh, a kind of tyranny in a way. But in, in any event, back to Jethro, but I want to say one thing which is important, and that is... Again, the background of this man is first of all I, I believe that he is considered by the by the um, the Moslems uh, not the Muslims. Oh, uh, the, Druze. the Druze. The Druze. He is their spiritual father. They are father. his
1: ancestor.
0: Right. He is their yeah. he is their ancestor, their spiritual father. The Druze religion is somewhat mysterious mm-hmm. or very, you could say very mysterious because it's not supposed to be known outside of of their own uh, circles. Right. In any event, um, this this man, Jethro, had been a practitioner and, and, and kind of like a, a an explorer or a, or a dilettante of all sorts of different modes of worship, and not but not only modes of worship, but of gods. In other words, he was a person who was like the connoisseur of every known type of false god. mm-hmm. And yeah. then he hears about what's going on with the tremendous uh, spiritual revelations that the, that the people of Israel went through. And, he, and the Torah here tells about how he comes and he meets with Moshe, and he rejoiced over it. But, and then there's this verse where he says, it's actually chapter, 11, chapter 18 and verse 11, he says, Now I know that Hashem is greater than all the gods... For in the very manner in which the Egyptians had conspired against them, right? But like they, they tried to drown, to drown you, and they were eventually, they were ultimately drowned themselves. And that's like this Mida Koneged Mida. So, re, so Yitro recognized from that this tremendous divine providence. But, but there's a, a great deal of attention that our holy masters pay to this particular verse where Jethro said these words. He said, Now I know that Hashem is greater than all the gods. It's a very powerful verse. And for example, Zohar says about that verse that that was the moment of like the greatest sanctification of Hashem's name in the world. Why? Because he should know, when he said, now I know that Hashem is greater than all the gods, he is a person who knew, as it were, all the gods, he, and he, now he understood that they were all false and there was no such thing. And so he came forward and he said, now I know that Hashem is the greatest. So in other words, what is, what is the sanctification of Hashem's name? Not when someone who is very close uh, would say such a thing, but when someone who is the furthest away could come forward and recognize Hashem. That is like the purpose of creation. That's why, like, for example, on Rosh Hashanah, which is like the most beautiful day of the year, what are the holiday prayers of, utter, uttered by Israel in the in the holiday prayer book on Rosh Hashanah focusing on? That all the people all over the world, the furthest from the furthest, should all come together and unite like in one unit in recognition of of who Hashem is, and that will be like this tremendous... Reunion of the family of mankind, and that's the goal of creation, really is that everyone should recognize who God is, and so that you basically what Yitro was doing. He's coming from so far away from being really like kind of like mired in the proverbial swill of all this idolatry, right? right And then he comes forward and he says, no, this is all this is all a
1: sham. this is all a lie. yeah he, he seems to have uh, you know the, a very Abrahamic experience. Although Avraham was, was so imbued with wisdom even as a, a child that, you know, he, he observed what was going on in, in the physical universe and said, no, this is, and he considered each like the sun, the moon, that they might have been gods. And then, and then he saw that there was always something greater, always something that that uh, everything else diminished in the presence of suddenly he saw there is a there is a God there is one God, so late in life uh, you have Yitro doing doing the same thing going through and I and I, I I relate to that you know there is this controversy among the sages and I know I, I was looking up in the Talmudic uh, references and. The the ones I ran across, that for them these sources, it was a foregone conclusion that he was a convert, and yet there are, there are mitigating ideas that say, well, wait a minute, you know, why would he who is who since he was a young man in the court of Pharaoh, who already knew about the the uh, the history of these people among him, you know, he he was a court. Uh, counselor for Pharaoh when, uh, and, and even in the days when when Moshe was a young, was a child. And so he knew he had talked to them, he'd seen what these people were like that were called, initially called Hebrews and later, you know. And that, that idea ahead. that we talk about all the time about how
0: they were those uh, main um, advisors involved yeah. in that meeting about the final solution. Yeah, there was Job, there was Yitro, and there was Bilam. Bilam, yeah. It was Bilam's idea to actually kill the Jews, to drown mm-hmm. the children. Uh, Job uh, remained quiet. He sat on the fence, but Yitro picked himself up and fled. That's why he yeah. was out in the wilderness in Midian because he
1: didn't want to have anything yeah. to do with that. And they, you know, I <clears throat> when you were trying when you were kind of look for the 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 name of the Druze, and and I knew that through what the through the Kenites, I believe that they're they're descended through to. But the the Muslims uh, revere and name four prophets in the Quran. He's one of those that's named. They don't call him Yuthor; they call him El shuaib And they they speak about the time he arrived in midian And one of the things that he did is he 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 uh, he convinced the people of midian to put away their lawlessness. They were they were a, a, a rampant, uh, wild people. And he said, and, and he didn't try to do it with an iron hand. He believed in justice, but he persuaded the people of Midian. Isn't life better when we treat each other better? And so you, you have, I think, you know, I, I've always thought this would make a, a marvelous film because you and I both know we love to talk about, you know, uh, things... Like film and 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 uh, literature in in relation to Torah, and in because the, most, the two of us are such th- experts in popular culture. That's why, <laughs> yeah. because we're but, so I mean, you well know, you read. Know, the best It'll, films, <laughs> the best films, always have a hero's journey. They have they have uh, the the protagonist always grows and and changes always for the better. Despite where he started off, and this is the story of Job, but it would make it would great, make a great miniseries or movie if, yes, if we knew even where he began as a young man to this place where he be, he became this pillar of uh, of of righteousness and of charity. He was said to when he heard from Moshe Rabbeinu what had happened to the Egyptians in the sea, it 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 hit him and in, in it it hurt his you know his. Uh, the way he felt because he remembered he had Egyptian friends that that he had left behind. You know that were that were good Egyptians. My theory is they probably had already passed away, but before all that had happened. But um, in any in any event, whether or not he
0: converted, the fact is that after the the whole. Uh, innovation that he suggested regarding uh, his advice about um, leadership and about delegation of authority, uh, we read in verse um, 27, the last verse of chapter 18, that Moshe sent him off, and he went to his land, and the, and the universally uh, understood uh, idea is that he went to teach his own people about Hashem. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the the thing that is uh, the other controversy. Uh, which our, our audience is probably familiar with is: Did did Yitro come uh, before the giving of Torah or after the giving of right. Torah? Right. That's a, a very and famous question. S-
0: At what point did he come to the desert to meet Moshe? Right. I, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna lean to uh, the source we call Seder Ha'olam, which is the the chronology of of the people of Israel starting with Adam, and, and it continues. It's a, it's an organic chronology. And in the Seder Ha'olam, it tells us the actual date that, that he told Moshe, you need, you're going to wear yourself out. You need to set up all these courts of justice. And he, uh, it was the 11th of Tishrei, and it was the same day that Israel was asked to donate. Their, uh to the treasury to build the Mishkan. Right. They give all the gifts the day after Yom so, Kippur. Exactly. So I I'm going to fall towards that because cool. I have I, I love the chronology that, that is handed down because for me it's it, it's because the because the, the Jewish people because time is sacred to the Jews and if it's if it is and since it is they are going to mark these days in sure. in their history. I love that you that you go back to Seder Olam.
0: It's an unsung volume. It's extremely important that chronology. But listen, a while back ago, you said just in passing, uh, without emphasis, that how much you identify with uh, with Yicho, and that is such a powerful statement. And I and I should think so because um, you also came from a different background in fact uh, i'll say this um because because you say it all the time so i know i'm not compromising you but you've told us the story which is amazing that that you actually grew up in a cult where you actually
1: were involved in a in a in a cult no uh, y- yes st- specifically i had uh uh I, my my sort of uh Path. Relationship in in, in, in uh, with with Yitro. Not my relationship, but uh, the idea is that I I grew up a Catholic against my own will, and then when I was a teenager, I went looking at other religions. I rejected uh, Catholicism, and then I tried everything. Like Yitro, I I, I sampled all of these other you know, false, to me, false religions. I'm sorry, I I don't want to step on anybody's souls. uh, But I did. I spent, as an adult, a young adult, married, uh, first wife, two boys, two lovely boys. We lived in a a cult for four years. So, uh, and it was funny because the, uh, it was some, it was a couple of years after that, that I met Vendel, uh, Vendel Jones, a blessed memory. The, as far as I'm concerned, the foremost uh, uh, promoter of the sh- the shed The foremost Yitro to. of, of yeah, these yeah. <laughs> generations. He really was. He was a, yeah, yeah. He
0: was a spiritual trailblazer. He was uh-huh. a person who also had such a background, but yeah. he literally came, came to Hashem, embraced Hashem, and then brought countless people to the God of Israel. Right.
1: Right, and so so the, the idea is, is when I met him is when is when I discovered Torah. I knew a little bit about Torah, you know, just very very basics, and then I began to go to his his. Uh, we met him when he was a, a guest on the radio show that I produced there in Dallas, and I started going to his Torah classes, and I I thought I thought I knew a little bit about uh, Judaism and about the Torah, and that's exactly what I knew a little bit and and for any of our our audience that has been studying torah they know now that the world has so little uh, w- w- the, the world hasn't even the mainstream guy on the street does not realize what torah is and what it and what it teaches and the, and the 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 life that that you and and all your fellow Jews live rabbi and it's, I'd like to talk about that today
0: I'd like to talk about what it is sure but but the thing is, um, this whole parsha to me just is it resonates um, with the current spiritual revolution that that we are witnessing and so much a part of that you really represent and that Jerusalem Lights is so involved with, and it seems to me that the parsha is like a tremendous opportunity to. Um, to talk about the spiritual revolution that we're witnessing today of so many people that have been basically disaffected by what they had been taught, the verse in Jeremiah about our Father inheriting us lies, and the whole idea of what some people are going through in terms of their uh, rejection of, of of what they had been taught, and they're wanting to come close to Hashem and embracing the Torah of Israel, and they the amazing dedication that that takes because it results in alienation from family and friends. It results in uh, even persecution. Uh, we we talked about Yitro and how he had been a practitioner of so many different uh, false um, notions and and uh, I, I'm sure that you know it took a tremendous amount of what you could only refer to as holy audacity. You know, as uh, for him to stand up uh, to all his uh, former fans and devotees and adherents and say, you know what, I was wrong. Now I know, that's the verse, now I know that Hashem is the greatest, right? And this reminds me of so many people that I've had the blessing to meet over the years, Um so many people that, uh, and and this really like I want to take this opportunity like as a call out to everybody that uh, that I love, that's part of my life, that's that's part of our Jerusalem Lights community. All the non-Jews who are going through the most incredible gyrations and turmoil in order to cling to Hashem at sometimes at tremendous cost, you know? Like yeah. there is a there is a, a man who's not in the world anymore, but I, I think his children are listening, who was so such a brave pioneer of Torah that after having been like a, a Baptist um, pastor for like decades and decades and decades, and studying the Torah, studying the Old Testament and beginning to ask questions and understand that things don't make sense that he was taught, beginning to understand the lies and that there's really only one God. one, one day it, it all basically um, com- uh, culminated in him standing before his congregation saying, and this is like an older man, you know a man who must have been 70 at the time or older is standing in front of his whole congregation saying, "I lied to you my whole life." It takes wow. a tremendous amount of true faith and honesty, dedication, bravery, Courage and love of Hashem to be able to do such a thing, and so this parsha is it to, to me is like it's just like this, this 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 incredible opportunity to acknowledge what people are going through and the the, the and the amazing deep love of Hashem and desire for Torah that. That, that I've been privileged to witness for, for some decades now, really, you know, all the years that I, that I w- have been working with people before Jerusalem Lights. But, but um, to me, in my mind, it's, it's the, this whole kind of revolution is like a tikkun for that very famous teaching that everybody's aware of, that when God gave the Torah to Israel, first He asked all the other nations if they wanted it, Right, and they all came up with a reason why they didn't want it. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. you know the conventional wisdom is, well, it's too late now because you didn't want it. But that's not true. That's not what's no. because what's happening is that the nations, the 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 individual souls that are stirred up for Hashem are the, are are given the opportunity to make a rectification for that. And to come close to Hashem—that's what this is really something all about.
1: That I, to you, to your point, something that I find I think unusual uh, in in demonstrating the power of Torah is, uh, generally speaking, most people will uh, will firm up their idea and their beliefs when it comes to uh, to 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 God to Hashem. You know, by the time they are in their 60s or 70s, they've made up their minds. You can't change them. Right. You either reject the belief in the Creator, or you embrace the the your belief, and then in a particular realm, a particular uh, specific type of belief. And yet, uh, I have I have known uh, several people. In fact, we just lost a friend. Who was a grandmother and a great grandmother, and turned to Torah in her late sixties. I, th- I think that is—I think that's very unusual. I know I met another couple years ago that uh, were in their seventies. Of course, I say that now. I'm in my seventies now, but they were in their seventies, and they—they—I uh, met them in a meeting, and they came over and spoke to me, and. And uh, they they wanted they said they wanted to tell me we have we have just become Noahides, and I said uh, they said we believe in Torah, and and uh, we believe that you know that the God of the Torah is the God, and I said well, uh, I asked them another question, and I remember there I think I've told this story before. They said well we still have to tell our pastor that we're <laughs> that we're leaving church, but I mean. I, I'm no psychiatrist, but I, it seems to me that it's unusual for people to make that kind of turn around a chuva a, a in their thinking, their critical thinking, their core thinking that late in their lives. And it shows a, 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 a tremendous
0: uh, self-awareness, uh, a, a certain kind of fearlessness, a, a, a such a strong desire for the truth that it can weather that kind of upheaval at that, at that age when, like you say, uh, most people would want to feel that they're settled. And there are also young people that are faced with the challenge of raising children and uh, uh, and changing horses in midstream and explaining that the, yeah. this, was, this was false, this was a mistake. And, and so again, I, I really want to call out to everybody, they know who they are, all the people that are part of our community who... We want to give every, every type of encouragement and, and uh, appreciation to, to, for, for what they're doing because it, it comes at a cost. It always comes at a cost. Stepping up for Hashem comes for a cost. The same thing for, for Israel. You know? so, so Hashem tells uh, Moshe, to tell the people of Israel here in our Torah portion, which is the portion of the giving of Torah at Mount Sinai, the Sinai revelation, right? He tells them, you shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. What does that even mean? You know, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So kingdom of priests, I think it really means that The job of Israel is to literally minister to the world. In other words, just as the Kohanim, the priests who are the descendants of Aaron, are responsible in the Holy Temple service for the program of life, meaning they are like opening the conduits for the divine blessing to flow into the world through the temple. So too, the Jewish people altogether have the same function towards the whole world, that they are to bring blessings of the world, just like Hashem told Avraham, but, but the thing is, you know, what does it really mean to be religious, or what it really, what is the Torah, the Torah really all about, because like a little while ago you said, you used the expression false religions, right, and um, you know that I have this issue, I have a certain issue, right? and the issue is, I don't like to use the word religion.
1: When I know,
0: I know you don't. I know we're on the same yeah. page about that because you and I are always very insistent uh, that the people of Israel are not a religion but that they are a people nowhere in Torah do we find and people and people argue about this so much and there's a lot of people that get very offended by this because they think that that it opens up a door to some sort of to some sort of like bigotry or racism because we're and we're setting up the Jewish people because they're calling them the other because they're a people well they are a people nowhere in the Tanakh I remember when President Trump actually mentioned something like this reaction of a lot of American Jews was like like how dare you? Oh yeah, the people <laughs> were a religion, but that's so like, ignorant. No, they almost because, said he was anti-Semitic. Right, exactly, which is so silly. Where in Torah did Hashem ever say, "I am making you a religion"? I am making no, it religion. doesn't. He said to Avraham Avinu in chapter twelve of Genesis, "I'm going to make you into I'm a make people." A it's people, all about a, a people. And here, too, yeah. I just read this verse, and now it's chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. And if you obey me and keep my covenant, you shall be for me a treasure out of all peoples, for mine is the entire earth. And you shall be to me a kingdom a priest, and a holy nation. And yeah. the reason that I personally—first of all, it makes sense. And everybody who knows and understands what we're saying, first of all, it's, there it is in the Scripture. But besides that, a people has a way of life, has a language, has a land. We are a people— uh, people, we can you can join that people as it were through conversion, and then you can become like a, your DNA actually changes. You become like a like a child of Abraham, but the, you become a child of Abraham. But the fact is, it's a, it's about being a people. The reason that I personally get so um, like uh, <laughs> aggravated about the word religion <clears throat> is because t- the the word itself to me is. Um, it 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 connotes something man-made and and well it does you know why because Judaism but by the way I also don't like the, the term Judaism I like I only like the the term Torah because we are a people we have a way of life the way of life is Torah the place to live is Israel right and this of course is a problem for all the Jews who don't live in Israel but that's not my problem it's my it's my it's my problem to teach them and point out to them the fact that, honestly, the, the, the purpose of the Jewish life is to be lived in the land of Israel. But in any right. event, again, my problem with the word religion is if you look at the religions of the world, they are all man-made. Right. They are all man-made except for the Jewish religion, which is actually, the way, again, the way of life of the people of Israel that was given to them as a covenant in this week's Torah portion at Mount Sinai, it was a covenant right. that was sealed with them, and and again, to me, like the the inadequacy of the word religion is like, well, you know, like we have. <laughs> all of these words, they just tick me off so much. Rituals, right? Like, well, I have to light this candle now in this place at this time, and I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to. It's like I have my God, and He's like lives inside this box here, <laughs> and I take him out and set him up, God forbid, like an idol. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm my life is governed by religion, meaning by a certain way of doing something, and that's just not what Torah no. is at all. And so, okay. So then, if I'm talking this way, so then, okay, I'm I I have to define. Well, what is it then? What is it to me, right? Because it's not about, you know, this this very very kind of like a myopic kind of like reduced idea of man made observance, and we. We know that Torah comes from the word for hora'ah, which is instruction. It's the same root of the word for for pregnancy as as well, expectancy, because it is all about potential and realizing potential and about a program. The, The program is this. We started reading Genesis. We went all the way through creation, the foundation of everything, the forefathers, descent into Egypt. Slavery, redemption, and now everything is actually coming to a head right now, Jim. This is like what we're reading now, beginning in chapter 18 of Exodus, is like what we've been waiting for. This is it. You know, this is like the whole point of everything until now has been... In in fact, the sages say that, you know, Hashem created the world, as it were, conditionally. The first 2,000 years before Torah was given was like kind of like... The comparison on, on, uh, in the midrashic understanding is like kind of like Jello, like the world was a little bit like not so set yet, you know, like not so set, and Hashem made the pillars that hold up heaven and earth conditional on the fact that Israel would receive the Torah, and that's what yeah. keeps creation going. But the the idea being, <clears throat> there is a program that finally, after two thousand years of waiting, all the creation has been. <clears throat> waiting for this moment when Hashem, <clears throat> excuse me, when Hashem's will, which is manifested in in Torah, is given over to man for the betterment of all humanity, for the uplifting of all humanity. And again, the Torah wasn't kept in heaven. It's not for the angels. The famous teaching that, you know, like, like when Moshe went to receive Torah and, and as it were stepping into heaven, as it were in the clouds of Mount Sinai, According to Midrash, yep. the angel said, like, what is he doing here? Like, they wanted to, like, push him out, you know? Like, they're throwing, like, <laughs> lightning bolts. In. Like, what is son, the, a person born of a woman doing here? And Moshe was like, was, like, very frightened, according to Midrash. And, like, he's, like, holding on. And Hashem says, you answer them, right? So this is all a metaphor. It's very beautiful, the poetic yep. vehicle of Chazal. So, so Moshe says to the angels, well, the Torah says, uh, honor your parents. Do you have parents? The Torah says you have to use honest weights and measures in business. (laughs) Do you have a store? In other words, everything about Torah is about human existence. It's about being a person in this world, right? We could talk about this forever, but the point is this. As opposed to using these words, ritual, religion, etc., etc., what I am trying to convey is, in one sentence, the goal is a state of mindfulness, a constant state of mindfulness. That's what Torah brings us to. That's what it means to be truly religious. Again, the, the word that I eschew, but if I would use it, show me a person who is completely mindful of the sanctity of every moment and, and the opportunity that it brings as opposed to spiraling downward into this abyss of insensitivity, which is what, which is what most people are holding by, right? That's the equation right there. Mindfulness versus insensitivity, that's what we're called upon to, uh, to be, that's what it means to be a holy nation. So we, we do always talk about the word holy, what does it mean, right? So you and I both know that the most practical, literal uh, definition of the word holy means separate. Separate, right, We exactly. know that. And Hashem yeah. is basically saying we have to be a separate nation, dedicated. So Hashem says, yeah. I am the Lord your God, you shall be holy as I am holy. And the question is, of course, well, how could I be holy like God? He has no He has no end, he has no form. And the idea is like it's just like there's nothing like Hashem because he's completely separate. So Israel is supposed to be separate and not involved in a lot of things. But what it really boils down to, this is the most important thing I've ever said in my whole life, open up your heart in the deepest way, this <laughs> is a very, very important idea, what we're really called upon to do, what it means to be holy, what it means to be religious, meaning what it means to be dedicated to Hashem, what it means to be mindful, is that in everything that we do, and again, we're coming next week to Parshat Mishpatim, and all of the mitzvot of the Torah under so many different circumstances about how to try to reflect godliness in every aspect of life. The idea is, what it really is, it's about making a space for God in this world. That's what it means to be religious. That's the goal of holiness. That's the goal of this week's Torah portion. That's the program of the whole Torah. Everything, everything, everything from Breshit Baruchimatashma, from the moment of Genesis until now, the program has been leading up to this idea of Hashem giving us his Torah so that we would be able to, through the mitzvot and through this God consciousness, make a space for Hashem in time. In physical space in our lives, right? Because as, as we've discussed many times, the challenge is that He's hidden in this world. But yet we have a partnership with Him because the world is unfinished, right? So like, for example, Shabbat, you know that when we keep Shabbat, it's like we are testifying to the, not only to the fact that Hashem created the world, but that He's still creating it. Every week, it's a new, it's a renewal of the process of creation. But even more than that, when we don't engage in creating anything new on Shabbat, you know why? It's because we are ourselves celebrating and making a statement that we ourselves are created beings. We are created beings. And it's, that's, it's part of this whole relationship. So again, the whole idea of bringing Torah into the world is for people. It's action-oriented. And it's so the opposite of, of, a, of this. this. I, I just can't stand these words. They get me so upset. Because the whole idea of being rich, ritualistic and being religious. I tell you, people say to me, Oh, so you're a rabbi, you're very religious. I <laughs> say, no, please, I'm not religious at all. I'm not religious. I am a Torah Jew. Because it's, uh, it's all about this idea of making a space of being mindful of every single moment, what, what Hashem is bringing me, what, what I can do in the world, what Hashem expects from me, how, how to connect with each other, how to be sensitive to the moment, and how to avoid falling into the pit of insensitivity, which is the greatest challenge that a person faces. Yeah. I'll stop yeah. now. I'm sorry.
1: The uh, uh, we, I mentioned Vendel earlier uh, who, uh, uh, you know, a blessed memory, uh, he used to—one of my favorite sayings that he would often say to people who were unfamiliar with these concepts we're talking about is he would say, I don't let religion get in the way of my worship of Hashem. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, because it does, it really does, because you, you bring in, and you know, when you talk about the words that you don't like, one of, one of my least favorite words in this realm is the word conversion. I, I, even though there is, there is a changing, excuse me, there is a changing of a person, the soul changes when you become uh, a, a, a member, a citizen of the commonwealth of Israel. That's handed down in the Torah, it, but but uh, people often when I try to convey this idea, and I've I've had these these same conversations with with uh, my Jewish friends that I meet when I've traveled and spoken in in shuls, and they they look at me and I I say well it's in your Torah that you're not a religion, and I I often remark I say you know if to pull it in in strictly governmental political terms. In 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 Israel, uh, there is not supposed to be a separation of church and state, so to speak, because th- because when you think about it, God made them a nation. Uh, if you're going to be a nation of priests, you can't be anything but religious, to use that that common word. So I, I you know uh, the, what I always say to people is is that you know I- Israel, the nation of Israel, is. Uh, and, and and people in uh, that are citizens of this that are uh, citizens of Torah um, they are not a religion but they are a religious nation. They' are a devout so, nation. Well amen. So the the thing is is does that does that disqualify the rest of the of humanity? No, it just it just it says to me in very stark terms in the Torah that God gave you a very very hard job, and you accepted it, and and we uh, you're, you James, know. Jim, stop saying, saying how Rabbi, hard it is
0: all the time. Stop saying how hard it is. It's, it's let's not open up a place for people to
1: complain. I'm just saying, from a perspective of a non-Jew, I look at I look at it. It's called the yoke of Torah. Yes. And of course, you, you the reason that you say that, Rabbi, is because you, who uh, who uh, as an observant Jew who loves Torah and loves God and loves Israel, to you it's not a hard job. But for an outsider, you basically wow. I mean, this is why everything this is, is why, hard.
0: Everything is hard. Everything, everything is about a choice, though. Yeah. It's and about that's a exactly choice. what this amazing verse that we have here in chapter 20 in our partial verse 17 where moshe said to the people fear not for god has come in order to raise you up in order to exalt you in order that his awe shall be upon your faces so that you shall not sin this word in hebrew it's translated here is to raise you up nasot it really means to test you now the concept of testing, we've seen that a great deal already. We saw that Hashem tested Avraham, we saw that Joseph was tested. We see all of these tests all the time. And then in last week's Torah portion, we saw that the people of Israel were testing Hashem by saying, is Hashem in our midst or not? I spoke about that in the in the parsh video last week. And so here, Hashem is, Moshe is saying to the people, Hashem has come in order to, and the word is usually translated in the English translations as to raise you up because Nes nun samich, is a banner, it's also the word for miracle and it means basically to, to, to raise up, but the very same word is the word to test you in other words, by testing us, by testing a person, Hashem raises that person up, gives that person an opportunity to To be lifted up by by passing the test, right? But everything is really a test for for every person that wants to be honest and that and that wants to cling to Hashem with integrity, and and, yeah. and whether or not it's difficult or 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 less difficult or easy is is basically the way that we uh, understand our relationship with, with with Hashem. But 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 the yeah. thing is, the, th- the thing is like. Uh, to me, to me I, and, I, and I, I'm speaking about it like very openly and honestly, you know, to me, the land of Israel is central to everything that we're talking about. Again, today is Tu Bishwat, a day that is okay. so holy, so important, and so misunderstood and has no significance at all practically for anyone who doesn't live in the land of Israel because, the land, because living outside the land of Israel for a Jew is like being on hold. It's like being in some sort of suspended animation state because everything about Torah and its commandments, which are, again, conduits of light that Hashem is giving us as a way of bringing more light into the world and as a way of being raised up and of participating in the program towards the, towards the perfection of humanity, it's all about living in the land of Israel. And so uh, this is another reason why uh, a lot of Jewish people resent It being called out that it's that it's a a way of life and a people as opposed to religion. The reason that people want to say that it's a religion is because if if it's a religion, well, I can be religious in Florida or in Chicago or in Paris. If it's just about lighting the candles and doing your thing and and you know doing your doing your particular ritual, well, I can do it anywhere. But that's the problem. (laughs) It's my whole point.
1: Three hundred commandments that you can only fulfill in Eretz Israel. You know this. By the way, Rabbi, this is the one of the reasons. It, not to derail the conversation, but it's in the same subject. This is one of the reasons that I believe that that uh, personally that uh, Yitro did not uh, con- become a convert because because he had such his 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 regard for the, for. The people that became this nation goes all the way back to him being a counselor. He he, he understood and admired these people and defended them to Pharaoh, and to all the way up to the time that he he is happy to have his daughter marry uh, one of these people, one of these people of this this form this nation that's New performing. People. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, is that, and, and that his, you know, the story in in the the oral tradition says that he that uh, that that the rod that he took with him that belonged to Yosef, that he took with him when he when he fled Egypt, he planted it in the ground, and he was so he was even looking for the redeemer. He said, the man who could no one could pluck it from the ground. I love this this. Uh, Tale and it's supposed to be true anyone who can pull that rod from the ground is the deliverer that's a sign he is the deliverer that will save the people in Israel, the, mm-hmm. the 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 people of israel in egypt from bondage and by the way you can have my daughter zephora you can have her hand in
0: marriage this uh, this i never tire of pointing out is the original source of the arthurian legend, arthurian of Excalibur. legend yeah.
1: Yeah, but but I I keep forgetting to to finish my point, and that is is that I believe that if he that this man is so profoundly embracing his son in law and his people, and he would have I think he would have joined the nation of Israel, except that um, the the point being is he left, he didn't he didn't stay with them and continue on to the Promised Land. Right. He went back to Midian and basically I think he did that because he said, I've got a job to do there mm-hmm. and now I can finish it now because now I have I, I can show the people this, these people are, are the nation that God chose to be his, his priesthood and I want you to, I'm gonna pass along these principles because he was all about creating peace in Midian. So much so that he's later remembered even by the by the Muslim people, peoples, mm-hmm. I should say. So I rest my case, Your Honor.
0: And I don't mean to be to be so <coughs> critical of um, those Jews who don't live in the land of Israel. I'm just trying to be honest about the fact that the, the entire emphasis of Torah whenever when it comes to observing the commandments and the whole idea of our God consciousness is centered on this land and being outside of it is a punishment is an aspect of death it's the, it's the exile and we are supposed to not want to be in exile we're supposed to show that we want to be here whatever the situation is currently again to, to, politi- if, politically, there, if, so, if you're a nation you have to have a land exactly. Exactly, so this is you, all I'm trying to say is that it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a convenient thing for a person to be able to kind of, <clears throat> you know, capsulize and, and have like this Judaism in the carrying case, like I'm I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew and I'm even a reservant Jew and I can observe my religion wherever I am and God is with me wherever I am and that's certainly true but the point is it's not, the pref- it's not what he prefers, it's not what God prefers, he prefers for the Jewish people to be in the land of Israel. Because we are a people, and this this is where we belong, and that itself, as as we've also pointed out, the whole concept of Zionism, which was originated by the God of Israel, the word Sion means excellence. The concept being that there is a state of being of the people of Israel in their land, beaming as it were the residence of Torah to the whole world from this land, is like a. Switch that's turned on that brings about a state of excellence for, for the entire world. That's the whole idea, really, of of what it all boils down to. So it's all <clears throat> coming to a head now in Parshat Yitro, the, and this is the program. The program was for was for Israel to take responsibility. That's what it means to be a nation of priests. It's not it's not uh, you know the, <laughs> the frequent flyer club. It's not a, about parks. It's about a tremendous, awesome cosmic responsibility of rectifying the world that's the job that israel took on itself and that's no that's not an easy job it's definitely it's definitely uh, not an easy job
1: yeah and, and by the way rabbi it it, uh, it also shows us that uh, hashem the creator of time and space also is the is uh, uh gave us the idea of borders national borders are important because the Torah speaks of, of, of the borders, and it speaks of the borders of various Israel and of, of the nations, and you have you have Yitro going back to his own land. And the point being is that the, the powers and the forces that are driving all of these horrible agendas today that are literally dividing all of us as nations is, and it's especially going on here, is they want to banish borders. They want to banish uh, uh people having a specific place they can call their nation and that they can set up their you know god tells us you know uh in in the seven laws of noah set up courts of justice well everybody's idea of justice is very specific to their own land you you can't you can't for instance there are laws made here in america sometimes federal laws ignore that people have different circumstances and different dynamics because they live in a mountain region or they live in a coastal region with an ocean. So uh, I think this is, the, this is reinforced by the idea of the seven species, is that, is that God basically, re- God because God created these things, God also created the idea of borders and of people living out. He wants people to live the, la- the life that he has directed them to live and laws that are specific to uh, everything about it. Look! Look at how many laws in in Eretz Israel are attached to the land in specific <laughs> ways. You shall plant this. You shall not plant this after seven years. All of these things. So, and this is the this is the the what seemed like a contradiction of Torah that is marvelous, and that is is that not this this heavenly instrument. Is so bound up in how we do things on the earth.
0: Exactly. This is what I was trying to say before: is that it's it's all yeah. focused on action and on and on human interaction, and uh, that's what makes it so holy. That's what sanctifies this whole world. And again, that the whole that whole midrashic dialogue of between Moshe and the angels is that the whole purpose of, of, of Hashem giving the Torah to man is because it's designed for man to reflect godliness again to, like i said to to carve out a space in everything in our consciousness in, in our in our lifestyle in time in every place that we're in, to, to bring God into that place, that's what it truly means to be religious or to try to be holy, is again, this, this concept of not allowing ourselves to descend into uh, being dumbed down, to being numbed, to being insensitive to the moment and to others and to our, uh, our uh, the divine image in which we were created. And I think that is the major problem that is facing mankind today universally is that there is a concerted effort that is being made to divest humanity of that divine image and it becomes just all like a throwback to the days of the flood when yeah. when basically the the sanctity of and the dignity of human life is so degraded and that's 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 really part of the uh, or a big part of the of the challenge that we are living today
1: yeah, it's it's when when Hashem gave the Torah to and created this nation called Israel, it's it's the big reset button, and it's in essence God is is uh, is is repeating the commandment first given to Adam to to man to man, and that is uh, you're to be fruitful and multiply, and you're to uh, keep the keep the garden and tend to it. I give you that job. This is this is the garden, so to speak, and God, that's the answer to the question. Well, how do I tend and keep the garden? Here's the way you do it. Because, and this is why the sages often, and even contemporary thinkers often, and it's a justified characterization, that the Torah is like the manual for humanity. and And he gave it to a specific nation and said, okay, it's your job to teach humanity how to tend and keep the garden in, in every aspect.
0: And, and again, like I really want to emphasize uh, today that this Parsha is a celebration of all of the people today that are embracing Torah, that are coming forward from all the places mm-hmm. that they've been and all the Lifestyles that they've experienced, and all the challenges, and and they are rising above the difficulties and the uh, and the uh, you know um, <clears throat> challenges uh, uh, that that they're going through and facing on the level of family and community and so many so many other levels, because they have they because they have a stirring in their hearts, and because they ha- understand that Hashem is God, and so this is. To me, just such a wonderful opportunity to recognize that and to call out to all of those people that are showing this tremendous dedication and commitment to Hashem. And again, everything costs something. So we haven't talked at all about the Ten Commandments in this week's Torah portion. We haven't talked at all about the whole Sinai revelation because we've been so emphatic talking about Yitro and everything that means. But this Torah portion is a turning point when we receive the program because of everything that the sign of Revelation represents and all of the miracles and wonders and all the things that took place there, it was a completely different level than those Miracles that accompanied the, the, uh, exo- the Exodus, and I spoke about that in, again in the, in the parish last week, and the concept of, of Emunah not being based on miracles, but being based on everyday reality. But the idea is that the, <clears throat> that the Sinai revelation was a prophetic window that opened up for the whole nation to truly experience the oneness of Hashem. And, of course, the Ten Commandments are basically like the capsulization of the entire Torah, right? They're not more important than the rest of Torah, but in, but in many ways, and this is a, a, a complex idea, they're kind of like an outline or kind of like, a, like, a, um, like a, um, a, a condensation of everything can be found in them, really. But the very first statement that Hashem makes is, I am Hashem your God, who has taken you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. And a lot of people look at that and they say, this is not a commandment, right? What, what is that? What, that's an opening statement, so why do you call that a yeah. commandment? But the truth is that the very f- first commandment, as it were, the basis of everything for Jews and non-Jews, for everyone that wants to cling to Hashem, the very first thing is belief in Hashem belief in God, that this is not an intellectual process of just my deciding, well, this is a, a good way to live you know, and this is proper and this is ethical and I want to be a good person. No, it's because there is a God in the world who created me, who created the world, who commanded a mode of behavior. That's the basis of everything, because otherwise, if we don't start from that, then we end up with total anarchy and with every person deciding for themselves what, like you said, what the law should be, and what conduct should be. But if it comes from Hashem as the basis of everything, that's what the Sinai revelation is really all about.
1: Yeah, the fact is that you can study, uh, you can study uh, uh, people's indigenous peoples who still live, you know, uh, almost a Stone Age existence in the world, who who worship idols. Uh, they have that kind of existence. You know, they 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 have a basically uh th- their morality is not what we in the West would even embrace but um so amen um James have yes, a safe sir. flight
0: have a safe and enjoyable flight um maybe you could bring me some of those little peanuts those little bags of peanuts I haven't flown in a while Kind of missed those <laughs> little, those little peanuts if they offer you some maybe you could get an extra bag for me. And well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not really. And um, we're looking forward to having you. Looking forward to doing some episodes of our podcast right here in Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. Um, I look forward to it too. Dress warm next couple of days. Looking forward to seeing you. And I want to bless all of our listeners and viewers with a happy Tubishvat, with a happy Mount Sinai revelation. And with a happy coming forward and embracing Hashem and um, always being mindful and never falling into insensitivity and always remembering to make a space for Hashem in every aspect of our lives, that's what it truly means. Not to be religious, but to experience Torah the way it was meant to be for all of us. Amen. Shalom, shalom. See you soon.